Hello and good morning to you, my beloved brothers and sisters in the Lord. Of course, it's your brother, Pastor Chido Jacob, here this morning that we may share in the world of life. Precious Father, we thank you. We give you all the praise and the glory. We exalt you, Father, because of your faithfulness that sustains us. Thank you for your heart that is always for us and never against us. Thank you for the life that we have. Thank you for the perfect righteousness that we have. Thank you because you have set us apart. You've made us holy. Thank you for all the assurances and the guarantees of your promise. And thank you, Father, for opening up our eyes to bring us to where you really want us to be. I thank you, Father, this morning on behalf of my brothers and sisters this morning. I pray that this word will reach deep down in their heart, Lord. However, any word that is needed, any action that is required to strike open a heart this morning, Lord, may you lead us and guide us into it, that our eyes may see the depth of your love, who we are and all that you have done for us. We give you all of the praise and the glory and everybody who prayed with me this morning, we say amen and amen and one more time, amen and amen. Praise God. So, of course, you know what we've been doing? I have been looking at a prayer from a pure heart. A prayer from a pure heart. Beloved, wouldn't it make sense that one of the things Jesus, you hear Jesus will say is, don't be afraid. Don't worry. Did you notice that all those being afraid or worrying, did you notice that those things are all states of the heart? Did you notice that they are conditions of the heart? And again, so, and don't forget that what God works with is our heart. Remember that. One of the most um, shocking scriptures is where Jesus said that at that day, many will come to him and say, did we not do these things in your name? In other words, they did mighty works. They built mighty things in the name of the Lord. And Jesus said, I will turn around and say to them, Get away from here. I never, ever, ever knew you. Don't forget, when Jesus says, I never knew you, the never there is double negative. That means never, ever. There has never been a time that I ever knew you. It's not like you and I, maybe we, we are friends and then we had a problem and then somebody asked me, what about you? I said, well, I don't know that guy. You know, no, it's not that. When Jesus says never, it's that there has never been a time that I even knew you. But notice that this ones built mighty works in his name. Don't forget that. In his name. Notice what the difference is, beloved brothers and sisters. None of these people came to Jesus and said, but we believed in you. Because you know what? Mighty works or no mighty works. We are saved by believing. We are not saved by doing mighty works for him or in his name. We are saved by believing. And what is believing? Change of heart. In other words, they did mighty things in his name. But he was never present in their heart. So at the end of it all, Everything turns back to what is in our heart. And what have we been talking about? That it's possible today for you and I to change any situation or to change any circumstance by following our heart, by reconciling our heart, by purifying our heart. I read last Sunday scriptures 
to show you that this, what I'm sharing with you, was the will. It still is, will always be the will of God for you and I. That means what I'm sharing is the picture. It's like you are trying to make a dress, right? But in the back of your mind, you have an idea of what it should look like. So when God has a, had a picture of us, before he founded the earth, right? So the original intention is that you and I will be pure in our heart. No contamination, no knowledge of good and evil. And you can see that clearly, the place I read. Also, in case you didn't notice that uh, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 will tell you that, that he proposed, ordained, that we will be blameless and without shame, without, that means no sense of guilt and condemnation. Praise God. And I went back to show you in the book of Genesis chapter 2, I think is verse number 25, the last, the last peaceful verse when everything was normal. When creation was going according to how God ordained it, what was the last verse? It says, and the man and his wife were both naked, but they were not ashamed. Why? Because their mind, their heart was innocent. They had a sense of innocence. Praise God. Amen and amen. Of course, everything changed. In the next verse, when the knowledge of good and evil, don't forget the knowledge of good and evil only succeed in bringing sin and then sin when it matures. The Bible said it brings death. All right. So now, having laid this foundation again this morning, I began this week by looking at the prayer of David, the affirmation of David, the declaration of David. David is a very important character because he was one of the people in the old testament that saw the grace of god in advance he understood the grace of god in advance that's why in psalms chapter 32 verse 1 to 2 if you read he said how blessed would that man be whose sins are forgiven how blessed would that man be when god does not impute man's iniquity don't forget, it's not as if, oh, secret, 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 listen to me. It's not as if God brushed away the sin, no. God said, oh, well, don't worry. You know, guys will always be guys. No, don't worry. Let's just forgive them. No, he came down to pay for the sins. Don't forget, it's not that the sin was imputed on Christ on or on our behalf. I need you to understand that. So it's not as if God doesn't care about sin and stuff like that. No, he will not be God if he behaves like that. He did, he came up with the perfect arrangement to set us free. He had to pay what we owed. So the sin was imputed on Christ. But don't forget, Christ was there on my behalf. So when the sin was imputed on him, the sin was imputed on me. What that means is that whatever thing I owe, I've already paid. Who paid for me? Christ. Christ didn't owe. I was the one who owed. Praise God. Amen and amen. I hope this would get very clear and very clear. So he had an understanding. He had an understanding. Don't forget, he was also a prophet. David was the one a thousand years before Christ came prophesied about the resurrection of Christ right where he said that um, he will not allow the holy one to see corruption neither will he allow his bones to be broken now don't forget when david said that they thought he was talking about himself no 
It was in the Acts of Apostles that Apostle Peter's eye opened. He said, hey, brothers and sisters, understand that when David said that, what David was prophesying was what happened this weekend. That's the resurrection of Christ. Because David couldn't have been talking about himself. Why? He said, you know he died and that is his grave there. We know that he was buried. That means, uh, his, bo he, that means his flesh got rotten in the grave. I want you to have this understanding. To believe one thing is good, but to have an understanding why you are who you are is very, very important. Praise God. So, what I have been doing last week, we try to prepare our storehouse because Jesus says, whatever thing we want, we can get. Whatever situation we can change, how do we do it? We go into our Father, close doors to our distraction, close the door to our failures, close the door to our frustration, and deep down in our heart, no sense of condemnation, no sense of guilt, and begin to fellowship with our Father. He says, whatever we say and do in that place, our Father, who connects with us, who is with us in the depth of our pure heart will make sure that that thing becomes visible. Praise God. And so we laid that foundation and this week I've been giving you an example of a prayer from a pure heart. Number one, don't forget, there was no uncertainty here. There's no, uh, maybe God will do, maybe he will not do. I'm not sure whether he will answer or, or it's not God's timing and blah, blah, blah. There's nothing like that. This man here is speaking prophetically based on his relationship and based on the fact that he knew who God was. Praise God. Amen and amen. So now I think I stopped in verse number two. So this morning, let me consider verse number three. Again, I'm laying this so that you see it was the same, the same mindset from the beginning stayed with him unto the end. There's no shaking. And so today, you can go and memorize Psalm 23 and repeat it all the rest of your life. Don't get any result because your heart is in a different place. And that's why I say to people, you don't have to memorize Psalms 23. Let your heart be open. You can write your own Psalms, praise God. You can write your own Psalms. You can write your own affirmations. You can write your own declarations because now you know your father. You know who your father is. You know how to talk to him, friends. Again, let me say this things. Remember, God is not in heaven with a diary trying to measure how long you prayed. God is not like that. You, there's a depth of relationship that you have with him. You pray often. There is something that your eyes will see. You pray often. But it is not, God is not measuring that length. What God is looking at is the state of our heart. Praise God. Amen. And amen. So verse number three, he says, there, that's where he restores and revives my life. Don't forget. He was saying that in verse 2 that we are talking about the tracks of righteousness, right? The tracks that God, the path of righteousness or the tracks of righteousness. I told you yesterday, it's like when you receive this message daily and listen, follow, right? Follow, just like the sheep follows the shepherd. The shepherd here is the voice of the Lord coming to you that you follow that voice every day. You actually climbing up. But what are you climbing up? To a brook of bliss, he says. 
is not to a place of suffering and pain. No, he didn't say that. He said he's bringing us to a brook, or a quiet brook of bliss, he says. And then verse 3 now said, in that quiet brook of bliss, that is where he restores and revives my life. This is very interesting. Sir, does this have anything to do with our daily lives? Does this show you how much God cares about our day-to-day -day lives? Now, he knows that no matter what level of faith we have, there are days when we just don't feel it. There are moments when we get overwhelmed, right? There are moments when it just looks like, okay, this is some things are not making sense. So, or you get offended. There are just moments he said that God is so meticulous that he wants to revive you and restore your soul. But where? You've got to allow him to lead you into the brook of bliss. Now, the footnote on TPT says on concerning this verse 23, this verse 3, it says, or causes my life or soul to return. That's another way to interpret what he said. He says, in this brook of bliss, in these quiet waters, right? In these quiet waters, what does he do there? Why does he want to lead me up to this quiet place? He said, because that is where he lets my soul return. Now, this is the explanation. I'm not making this up. I'm just reading to you the explanation from TPT. Here's what he says. So often, life drains out of us through our many activities that happens sometimes it may not be you sometimes it may be those around you you are just you know running around trying to make sure this person is okay that person is okay and and, and this is more towards those who care people who care more you know sometimes they get drawn away into a lot of things and so in our daily activities in going to work in taking care of our families in running our businesses yes our soul can become heavy he says here, but as David found, God restore God restores our well-being when we pursue what pleases God and when we rest in Him. Notice that if my pursuit is what pleases God, my heart is at rest. Number one, number two, and when I find my rest. In him. That means when I allow him to lead me in this path of righteousness, he will bring me to a place of a brook of bliss or the other translation, we call it quiet waters, right? Where, why is he bringing me there? Why is the metaphor of quiet waters, uh, you know, given to us? Not stormy waters, but quiet waters is a place that we can drink. What, what happens to us when we drink? Did you notice we get refreshed, right? Right? We get restored, right? Energy comes back. Isn't that true? But notice, the Bible did not just say waters, but quiet waters that allows us to, to be refreshed and revived all the time. Friend, there's no part of my life that God is not interested in. There's no part of your life that God is not interested in. The question is, where is my heart? God can bring people your way to help you, right? And they are trying their best to do. No, but it doesn't look like why because your heart is somewhere else, right? And and listen to me, friend. Just listen to me, friend. I can go on and go on and go on in these matters. I don't know. And if you notice how God meticulously brought you and I to this series of discussion, I've been talking about heart, 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 heart for how many days, for how many weeks, friend. Listen to me. When God is highlighting something, you've got to pay attention to it. Notice, you know me very well. 
I don't have book of sermons. I don't have, um, you know, I don't have a software that lets me know what sermons to preach. I don't wait to see, ah, what are they preaching now? Let me see what is raining now so that I start to preach. I don't say some things because, but you can tell. If you follow the messages day by day, you can tell. It's like taking up our hand and bringing us one level to another, one level to another. So what I do is that when something is laid in my heart and I can see why the emphasis, and notice this, notice this. It's not like I sit and I say, hmm, heart is important. No, let's talk about heart. No, that's not what I do. What happens is that my eyes is open to see something and then it, it keeps on going further and further and further and the scriptures keep going. It's like God pulling us in, inner and inner and inner and inner. Friends, what I have come to realize is that what God is hammering is where my limiting factor has been, where your limiting factor has been. If we clear this up, then you can say, like the psalmist says, he say, hey, he leads me in this place where to quiet waters, what, for the purpose of what, to revive me. That means that I have this place that I always close door with God, no matter how my day goes, whether it is in the morning or afternoon or evening, or when I'm trying to lay down to sleep. Oh, I return to this quiet place, right? Where my trust is in him, where I know I'm perfect. Somebody may have insulted me the day. I may have tried to help somebody didn't work. I may have tried to do something. Oh, but when I come down to this place, right? There is no, there's no sense of judgment. There's no, I have faith today. I didn't meet up today. No, there's no, I'm a good person. I'm a bad person. No, absolutely no. There's this quiet place where I come. I hear him tell me how much he lost me. Oh, my heart is touched knowing that I have one who neither judges nor condemns me. Friends, 5, 10, 15, it doesn't matter. You are refreshed. You come back again life. Oh, praise God. Can Is this practical enough for you? That this is real. This is what can, what can chase away any depression. What can chase away any pain almost immediately. Praise God. And that's exactly what the psalmist is talking about here. He said, now watch this. He said, he opens before me the path or leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness. In fact, it looks like I jumped ahead when I was explaining the path of righteousness. And this is again where he's talking about it. Of course, I have explained to you what path of righteousness means. Notice this. So that, notice why. So that I can bring honor to his name. He's not forcing me to bring honor to his name. But if I follow his path, definitely my life will honor him. Do you notice that? If I follow, if I allow God to lead my heart, that's why I don't teach those sermons. Oh, you must honor God. Uh, your life must honor God. Oh, you must do. No, sir. If your heart follows him, if your heart follows his path, you will honor him. You don't have to think about honoring him to honor him. You don't have to think about being faithful to be faithful. You don't have to think about being consistent to be consistent. You don't have to think about being disciplined to be disciplined. If there is no other example of consistency and discipline, I have sent you this message for some of you for more than a, for more than a year plus on a daily basis. Without any day thinking about discipline, without reading a book on consistency, without reading seven fundamental ways on how to be disciplined, without telling me that, oh, if I'm not disciplined in life, no, 
my heart is given to the message. Because my heart is there, discipline comes in. I don't think about discipline. I don't think about consistency. I don't go, I don't need extra effort. Why? If my heart is in something, I'm going to be disciplined about that. Did you notice that? You know what I'm talking about. You know. If you that's why, that's why I failed woefully in the ministry from the beginning. And I still have areas where I'm failing. Why is that? I tried to move men beyond where their hearts are, beyond where, they, where their, their heart is in a place. And I was trying to move them somewhere else. I was thinking that starting a business for the person will help them. I was thinking that paying their house rent will help them. I was thinking about, no, 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 it never helped. It never helped. And I was more and more frustrated because I failed and I failed and I failed. So now, Yes, do we still help? Yes, but I focus my attention in your heart, knowing that if your heart is in a place or in a thing, consistency is not a problem. Discipline also is not a problem. Praise God. Notice why I started saying this. If I follow, if I allow God to lead my heart, I will bring him honor. I will love him. He loves me. I will love my brothers. I will love my sisters. I will not go trying to look at how to manipulate men and take what they have. No, I'll be committed just like, just like my father is committed. My heart becomes one with my father's heart and we'll do what we need to do. Praise God. Amen and amen. I read just, I think, one or two verses today. And again, don't forget, you see, as we look into this, you cannot see why David spoke the way that he spoke. And what I'm telling you today is not to memorize Psalms 23. If you want to do that, that's fine. But if your heart is in the right place, your own words will come from your heart. Your own Psalms will come from your heart. Your own declarations will come from your heart. Your own affirmations will come from your heart. This is why I don't teach confession. Because I can give you words to confess. But if I can help you by the grace of God, purify your own heart by removing any sense of guilt, any sense of judgment. Hey, Oga, you will find better words to call your father. You will, in the depth of your heart, you come up with words to say your father, thank you, the one who has done all this for you. Praise God. Amen and amen. Okay, I hope this is good enough for today. I'm going to sign off here and then, of course, come back to you tomorrow. Don't forget my plea always. To share out the message as much as you can. Don't forget that this morning you have been served. Shalom.